Good afternoon, and welcome to the Divorce Doula Podcast, where we handle family law coaching, and today we're here to answer some of your questions. Michelle, will you tell us what family law coaching is? Sure. Um, Family law coaching is basically just us guiding you through this transitional period, um, holding your hand through the court process and just being there in ways that other professionals during your divorce can't really be there for you. So ways that your attorney can't really be there, um, really a space to just unload and debrief everything that you have going on. And we're available online and in person, and we're based out of Lafayette, Louisiana. So we're going to take about 30 seconds each to reintroduce ourselves. I'm Claire Edwards. I got a JD in 2012, and I've been practicing law ever since. I've been focused on family law for probably about since 2015. So God, going on seven years now. And uh, I do a lot of litigation, but I also firmly believe in collaborative divorce, which really means I would, I'm, I'm here to help clients work through the divorce in the legal system, but they also need to take time to work with financial planners to work through their finance and coaches to help them with what they need, a little bit of extra support in and counselors and therapists to handle all of those big picture mental health issues, small T traumas and big transitions going on. All right, and I'm Michelle Seymour. Um, I have my master's in psychology. Um, it's just an experimental research degree. So I don't have actual tactile like um, experience in working with clients or providing counseling. I'm not trained in that. I just know about all the concepts and different types of therapies and things like that. Um, so background in education, I also taught psychology for a couple of years. Um, and that's kind of where the coaching passion came from is just connecting with people on that level. Um, so that's my side. That's what I bring to the table. I'm new to the field of divor divorce, um, learning very quickly about everything, but I think that that will be helpful for me. This podcast particularly will be helpful for me in learning a lot of things. Um, and it makes me relatable to some of our clients who we expect to come through with no experience in the law or experience in court processes before. So, so that said, uh, today we're hoping to talk about the timeline for getting divorced. And I think a good format for doing that is for Michelle to, to take a question and answer approach. And I'll just go ahead and use my attorney knowledge as an educational tool for listeners. All right, so I'm gonna kind of come from the stance of a person who would be walking into an attorney's office or even the coach's office saying, um, I've been thinking about getting a divorce for a really long time. I have absolutely no clue where to start. I don't even know what divorce looks like. In my head, I think that it's going to court and I think that it's battling it out. Um, can, you, can you tell me what my options are? What different types of divorces might look like? Where do I go from here? So you're not especially wrong in the whole going to court and battling it out concept. So I'm gonna take a second to talk about the options within procedure. The there is the go to court method where the parties just aren't talking to each other, aren't communicating well, have kids, don't have kids, have property, don't have property. When you go to court, you're setting yourself up to be judged and allow your family and your stuff to be judged by a third person, namely a judge. Louisiana requires that all divorcing persons use the court system and that it is in fact an adversarial process. And I use this example with all my clients. 
Um, there was a Grey's Anatomy episode where Jackson and April are getting divorced and they're sitting at this big conference room table in the hospital and they just sign off on the documents and then they sigh and they look at each other and they say, we're divorced now. That's not how Louisiana works. It has to be adversarial. So even if you and your spouse are able to come to an agreement on all the children things and all the money things and all the property things, you still have to file that with the court to get your divorce. Not, you don't have to file that stuff with the court to get your divorce. You have to trust each other that you're gonna follow through on that, but you have to file a divorce with the court to get your divorce. Um, so Michelle, I think you asked about the timelines on it. Okay. And yeah. the two, two different types of divorce. Yeah. So, so filing, right? So what is filing? What, what does that look like? I love your questions. <laughs> They're so raw, I love it. You're right. Um, so filing is, the act of taking the documents that are going to allow you to get divorced to the clerk of court and paying okay. your clerk of court fees. If you're getting okay. divorced in Lafayette, it's $450 just to file a petition that says, I want a divorce. Cool. What are some other big terminologies we want to cover on the front end? Service? Um, yeah, that was going to be my next, next question would be service. And then I'm going to ask about the timelines. Cool. So service means... And this, I was in court this morning, some lady referenced, I want my due process rights. And the judge said, you've had your due process rights. You were served with today's court date. Service means once, say I'm going to divorce my husband, I file a petition of divorce against him. And the court then tells the sheriff to go serve my husband either at his house or at his workplace. Him accepting those documents from the sheriff is called service. The okay. sheriff has made service on him. The, there are two other ways to make divorce service in Louisiana. One is going to be long arm. If your spouse lives out of state, out of country, you send a certified mail to them and it contains that original, uh, a certified copy of the petition for divorce. And you have to get your green card back and you file that with the court. And then the other way is if that person is agreeable, they can sign up on a waiver especially in no contest divorces. And our office does that a lot where we sign up, we, we write up all the paperwork for our client to get divorced and then their spouse coordinates with our office and just comes in and signs off saying, okay, she's already, or he's already filed for divorce. We're now going to accept that divorce and come what may. Okay. So those are the key things to keep in mind about service. Okay. So there's two different kinds of no-fault divorces in Louisiana. We've got what's called a 102 divorce and what's called a 103-1 divorce. And they're based on their civil code statutes. And I'll just read the statutes. So civil code article 102, a divorce shall be granted upon a motion of a spouse when either spouse has filed a petition for divorce and upon proof that the requisite period of time, and I'll insert that, that's gonna be 180 days, if you're, you don't have children with that person under age 18 and 365 days if you do have children under the age of 18 with that person. Okay. Has elapsed from the service of the petition or from the execution of written waiver of that service and that the spouses have lived separate and apart continuously for at least the requisite period of time, which I just said, prior to the filing of the rule to show cause. And then the rule to show cause is just in, in Lafayette, we have a hearing officer who handles them. You just file a document that says, yeah, we live separate and apart for 180 days, 365 days. No one has objected. No one is reconciled. 
and the hearing officer recommends to the judge for you to get your divorce confirmed. Okay. And that is what we call a 102 divorce. The key to the 102 divorce is you file it while you're, you can file it while you're living together. You can file it before you have started living separate and apart. A 102 is especially good for kicking out a spouse who doesn't want to move out of the house. So you file it and then you get a date with the hearing officer and that date will kick that spouse out. And you can't confirm this 102 divorce until the later of whether that person was served by sheriff or whether that person moved out. And that's the only way to confirm it. Okay. So living separate and apart is legitimately defined as living in separate households. Separate addresses is preferred. You can't live in separate bedrooms under the same. Okay. Okay. And then the key also is living separate and apart without reconciliation. And so reconciliation usually implies having sex with one another. And so in a 102 case, you, you have to live separate in separate houses and without having sex for exactly that 180 days, exactly that 365 days. It'll probably be longer before you get your divorce confirmed just because it takes attorney's time. It takes clerk the time to get right. those paperworks pushed through. Okay. And that was another question is how consistent is the 180 and 365 day wait? Is that always just established? Tack on one week to three months. Okay. And then in that period, not sleeping with your spouse, what about seeing other people? Does that make things messy? That's a great question. That makes, so an attorney I talked to today said, you're not divorced until you're divorced. So the the downside of starting to sleep with someone else during that period of time is that your spouse or you, whoever's the one who's not sleeping with someone can file an adultery divorce and get the divorce granted faster. Generally, I shy away from adultery divorces. I, I like to file them so I can call out the parties involved, but I tend to end up confirming on a 1031 after I do that. The reason people prefer these 102s over the adultery ones is because when you're having an adultery divorce, you have to confirm that on trial. You really shouldn't be confirming that on paper. Any attorney worth their salt wants the testimony, wants the evidence. Any judge worth their salt needs to hear it before they're going to grant the adultery divorce. Okay. So it tends to be that people can see other people while they're waiting on their 102 time, mm -hmm. but they run the risk of the adultery divorce being filed. And so there's a couple of incidental factors I can take a quick second to talk about, but people really need to talk to an attorney if this applies to them. Spousal support terminates six months after the date of the divorce is finalized. So if someone's paying interim spousal support, they're gonna want the divorce to be done faster. So if they find out their spouse is sleeping with someone else, they might just convert it to the 103 to adultery divorce so they can get divorced quicker and stop paying spousal support quicker but the person receiving spousal support is gonna to prefer to stay on this 102, but it tends to be balanced if no one is interested in receiving spousal support or there is no spousal support payment ordered by the court. And when I say balanced, I mean, those are the people who tend to be able to see other people while they're waiting for their divorce to be confirmed. Okay. And then we have another kind of divorce, also a no-fault divorce. This is a 103-1 divorce. And I'll read you that one. A divorce shall be granted on the petition of a spouse upon proof that the spouses have been living separate and apart continuously for the requisite period of time. Again, 180 days if you don't have kids in the house, 
365 days if you have kids under age 18 or more on the date the petition is filed. This is the easiest divorce. The legislature this year made it even easier. And when we talked about service and signing waivers earlier, the latest legislation says you can sign a waiver and you don't have to wait for the other person to file an answer. But of course, a 1031 is destroyed if the other person files an answer. And I say destroyed, and I just mean you can't confirm it on default. You can't confirm it by affidavit. You actually have to have a trial on it. So let's talk for a second about what the legal concept of an answer is. Okay. Say I'm trying to divorce my husband. We have already found separate lives. Like we've been living separately for like five years now. We don't own a house together. We don't have bank accounts. We don't have nothing together, okay? I've, I've filed for divorce against him. I serve him at his apartment. And then he files an answer with the court. And he says, hell yeah, I want that divorce too. My girlfriend's excited about this. So by the very act of him filing anything, even though his answer is, I want the divorce too, by the very act of that, based on the way the 1031 laws are written, I now have to file for a trial with a judge. I can't finish this on paperwork. There's no way to go to that hearing officer. There never was though in the 1031. I'll talk about the paperwork method in a second. Okay. The second that spouse files an answer, we have to have a trial in front of a judge. And the trials on these 1031s are the simplest things. You show up to court as, as you could be an attorney, you can do this in pro se if you really, really want to, but it's just a matter of, were you married to this person? Did this person get served? Do you want to be divorced from this person? Have you lived separate and apart? Have you reconciled? Once all of those are answered to where the judge can say you are divorced, just mm -hmm. slide them a little divorce judgment and they'll sign it right there. Okay. So the other issue on the 1031s is the default judgment. And that's what we as family law attorneys are kind of excited about, about that waiver. So the new waiver language says, if I have a client who is divorcing her husband, I can fill out all the paperwork, file it with the court, get a certified copy back, get the husband in my office, and he signs a waiver that says, I accept all of this, I understand I'm being sued, I understand I'm waiving my right to file an answer, respond, anything like that. It used to be that we followed regular civil procedure, like the same way the personal injury guys do, and we had to wait two weeks to give them the opportunity to file an answer. But under the new law, they specifically said, cool, they signed the waiver, go ahead and like move forward, ask the judge to confirm your divorce. This new legislation even cut out what we call a preliminary default. Um, so that's been interesting. But um, so what I'm trying to say is when you have the 1031, you can get divorced in like a week or two if you're already wow. living separate and apart and wow. there's no reconciliation, yeah. Okay. Um, one word that I'm not sure that keeps coming up, maybe I missed an explanation of it, but affidavit. An affidavit is a sworn statement. Okay. So every time anybody files a petition for divorce, they're going to be signing a verification page for their attorney. That's a okay. sworn statement that everything that they said is true and correct to the best of their knowledge. Were you Got married it. on the date you say you were married? Did you stop living together on the date you say you stopped living together? Okay. That is accepted by the court as fact. So if you lie on your stuff, but you've signed your affidavit, everyone assumes that it's true. And that's just how the court has to work. They have to assume that what you're saying is true and what you're saying on your affidavit is true. 
Okay. When we go in on those um, 102 divorces where we just see the hearing officer, give them a bunch of paperwork, throw an affidavit of living separate and apart at them, that affidavit is signed by the client, the person who wants the divorce. And it says, yes, we've been living separate and apart for this amount of time. Yes, we're, um, we still want to get divorced. And then right. that's, that's enough for the hearing officer to be able to confirm the divorce. Okay, so signing an affidavit is giving my word. I got it. Mm -hmm, exactly. Okay. So there's two other notes that I have that I want to cover. Again, we're just using my attorney knowledge as an educational tool for listeners. Uh -huh. And these don't come up in all cases, but when they come up, they're tough. So one word is going to be reconciliation and the okay. other word is abandonment. So you heard me say living separate and apart 180 days or 365 days without reconciliation. Reconciliation on its most base sense is the spouses sleeping together. So when I have clients in my office, I say, well, when was the last time you slept together? That's the date that we can start saying you, you didn't reconcile. You know, if you had been in separate apartments for two years, but you've been hooking up for the past five weeks, you don't get to get that two-year divorce. You have to start on the 102 level because you've been hooking up for the past five weeks. So that can be complicated, reconciliation. Do you have any clarifying questions about reconciliation? Um, how does that pan out if like somebody's lying? That's a great What question. if it gets messy in that way to where he's saying we slept together and we did not sleep together? So reconciliation really can't even come up unless one of the parties files uh, last time I was in a case like that, the, the party filed an affidavit of reconciliation. I was in a case this morning where I kind of wanted the opposing counsel to file a affidavit of reconciliation allegations and motion in order to set for reconciliation hearing. So reconciliation hearings need to be had by the judge. Um, so to answer your question about what if someone's lying, first, their first step is to put it on paper and then their second step is to present it to the judge. So okay. the judge has the opportunity to ferret out whether they're lying. And okay. That's just, there's no greater way to do that in the legal system. Okay. That makes sense. And then the other question would just be, um, is there a gray area of what if we just go out to dinner? What if we spend an evening together, but don't go home together? So that should not be a gray area, but it is, it should not be because I really think the way the law was designed was to confirm that they were not living as married persons and going out to dinner together. I mean, that's a, a platonic thing. It could be a platonic thing. Mm -hmm. The way that I've most often seen that turn into a gray area is when the spouses aren't communicating. So like I said before about those 102 divorces, you can file it and live together for a while as long as y'all eventually move out and eventually don't reconcile and then confirm it. So it's the same principle. If you're going out to dinner with someone, you know, it's platonic. They know it's platonic. You're totally fine, but if one of y'all flips the switch on the other, gets upset about something and decides, well, I'm going to argue that this is reconciliation, you are within your rights to file and argue whether or not that was reconciliation. Okay. And that's kind of what I meant by my question is being safe about what could be turned into potential reconciliation. Okay. So I'm going to read the code article on reconciliation. Okay. It is one sentence. The cause of action for divorce is extinguished by the reconciliation of the parties. Here's what's important. What constitutes reconciliation is a question of fact 
to be decided in accordance with established jurisprudential guidelines. So, and that applies to 102 and 103-1s. Okay. So I would argue that the obvious reconciliation is the spouses sleeping together. However, note, most judges will not just let the spouses hop on the stand and say, we were sleeping together. They would like additional information, but some will accept that as enough information. And so that is the hazy area. What judge did you get? How much information do they want? Um, is a Catholic retreat that the parties went on together, but they truly haven't slept together since they filed their 102 considered reconciliation. I've seen a case where that is not considered reconciliation. Is like you had mentioned um, when we were talking earlier, is just sitting down for a date at a restaurant considered reconciliation. Mm -hmm. That's completely fact sensitive and completely based on what the judge thinks. Okay. That's helpful because there are a thousand scenarios in my head of gray areas. So and there are those gray areas. Yeah. But again, they're not going to be. So the other issue that attorneys face with reconciliation is did the parties reconcile and therefore their divorce was improperly granted. So if I get divorced tomorrow, like that theoretical earlier, I was talking about how my husband and I have been in separate apartments for five years. Mm -hmm. What if like the night before our divorce was granted, we slept together because we were so damn excited and, oh, we, we, we need to have another baby. And we, we just broke up with both of our new girlfriends and boyfriends. And then the court just granted our divorce anyway. Well, that divorce the court granted is necessarily going to break up all of our property. And then a couple of days later, he wins the lottery. I am certainly going to file a nullity of judgment that says, him winning the lottery. That's my community property. I know we got a divorce, but uh, we were definitely in celebratory mode the night before the divorce. Oh, and by the way, I'm pregnant with this child. So those are the, the fact sensitive or the law sensitive issues that come up in reconciliation. So lawyers try to be very in tune with their clients about, are y'all getting back together? Right. Because if you are, we need to know, because that's going to cause havoc on your future, if that's the case. Okay. And I think that's what we try to do through the divorce doula is to be sure that clients are comfortable being open with their attorneys. They might not know what the attorney is looking for, Absolutely. but if an attorney is asking a question like that, the client needs to be open enough and vulnerable enough to be able to answer that. Yeah. And I think that's something really useful for me right now as a new coach and new to all of this is that I didn't even think about like divorce is so black and white in my head that I didn't even think about potentially having a client that is going through this more hazy reconciliation period. Is it, is it not? And, um, you know, even the coaching space could be the first time that they say out loud and establish the potential of getting back together. Mm -hmm. So they can practice that honesty and that vulnerability with us. And like, just saying it out loud one time might be better for them, might be practice for going to the attorney and then saying, yeah. And then the attorney's going to say, listen, reconciliation is expensive because <laughs> I said on the front end, the clerk of court filing fees for the divorce alone is $450. By the time you've got it confirmed and you got your judgment, you're probably at about 8,000 a grand. Uh, it generally be is that parties can split them, but it, it tends to be um, the person who wants the divorce eats the cost. When it comes to reconciliation, there's a cost in that too. And then the reconciliation necessarily destroys removes, dismisses your, your divorce action. So you'd have to file a fresh divorce, $450, go through the whole thing again. Okay. 
So the other topic I wanted to cover is abandonment. Mm -hmm. Divorce is abandoned faster than regular causes of action. I referenced the auto injury attorneys a second ago, the personal injury attorneys. When they file a suit, it's going to be good for three years. They have abandoned their suit if they have not done some motion forward, whether it's filing uh, a request for trial or whatever it is that they're doing. They have to move it forward on paper within that three-year period. Divorces, however, abandon after two years. So for those 102 divorces, if you're filing that in, we're in January of 2022, you have to have that rule to show cause filed by December of 2023, because come January, 2024, you're not gonna be able to get divorced. It just goes away. You're done. This is a problem for paternity issues. It happens when the couple has split apart and they're seeing other people and having new children. If the wife has a child and she knows good and well, she hasn't slept with her husband in five years, we'll, we'll stick with my prior example of me and my husband in separate apartments, okay? We filed our 102 five years ago, but we never bothered to confirm it. I mean, we know we're getting divorced. Everybody knows we're getting divorced, but then I suddenly get pregnant from my boyfriend. Do you know who the legal father is, Michelle? Uh-oh. It's my husband. It's not my boyfriend. What? So the name, I can put the boyfriend on the birth certificate all I want to. He's not the father of that child. He can get a DNA test 99.9% .9 positive. The law does not see him as the father of the child. The law sees my husband as the father of the child. I now have the right to file for child support against my husband. That child will always inherit from my husband unless he files a disavowal procedure. So that's why abandonment is so important to address when talking about the timeliness of divorces, they have to be confirmed within two years. Otherwise they are gone, they didn't exist. And then you have to refile essentially? What is that? You have like? to refile, absolutely. And then repay all of those things. All of those things, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's that all the material I was worried about. Are there any like other thoughts or comments or hypotheticals? Um, no, I was about to say that I'm pretty clear on those, the reconciliation and abandonment um, as new concepts for me and same thing with the 102 and 103-1 divorce. Um, again, playing the role of a client coming in, not even knowing where to start. I feel like I'm walking out with an education. Awesome. And so I'm gonna repeat that. The 102s are filed you can file them while you're living together. Mm -hmm. It's appropriate to file it after you've separated, but if you haven't hit that 180 days yet, or if you haven't hit that 365 days yet, it's appropriate to file it. The 102s tend to be preferred for when there's custody issues, spousal support issues, use and occupancy issues. 103-1s are the quickie divorce. If you've ever heard that phrase, that's all Louisiana can get you. <laughs> you, you, you we gotta sue the other person. You gotta serve them if you don't know where they are. Talk to your attorney about that. Mm -hmm. If you do know where they are and they want to get divorced too, they can sign a waiver and y'all can be divorced within a week at the latest a month or two. It mm -hmm. just depends on how fast your attorney works at that point. Okay. Great. And I even feel like if this were to have been, even if I were to just go asking you these questions in a coaching session, I feel like I could walk out of our coaching session with questions that I know I need to go and ask my attorney when I find to that attorney. Let's say I haven't found them yet. 
I'm so glad you said that. I don't know that I would actually talk about that in a coaching session. I would definitely bat back at the client, the coaching client, and tell them to talk to their attorney. They need to establish the trust with their attorney. Their attorney needs to feel that they are listening and they need to feel that their attorney is listening. Okay. So I wouldn't mind repeating it, you know, just asking the client. So what do you remember about them telling you about the kind of divorce you're going through? Okay. And then just being sure the client is clear and comfortable. And in the event, the client is not clear and comfortable. Again, I'm in a coaching session. I'm not, I don't have my attorney brain on. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would just say, have you asked your attorney about this, that, and this? I would probably also be comfortable uh, printing straight from the Google, <laughs> you know, like, right. well, looks like your attorney captioned this as a CC 102 divorce. Let's print that out and see what right. is a CC 102 divorce. So that's why I'm for the podcast. I'm very comfortable educational tool for listeners, but in a coaching session, it's so much more client focused. It's so much right. more focused on. I guess I'm imagining I'm a client who has not seen a lawyer yet. Mm -hmm. And we're at week one, where after I leave your coaching session, you're like, go meet with an attorney. And I'm like, cool, awesome. But before that, I, I Googled stuff and yeah. I got overwhelmed and I came to my coach and I was like, I'm nervous about meeting with my attorney because I saw all these big words that I don't know what they mean. So is that appropriate and inside of our roles as a coach to be able to talk with people? Or we help can definitely them? use definitions. I mean, yeah. you know, as well as I know that we have a whole definition section in our coaching program. Right. <laughs> so, right. so clarifying those words, service, affidavit, um, those are easy words to clarify for sure. Uh, the timelines that again, I would definitely defer to an attorney because legislation changes. Even in this podcast, I'm talking about legislation that has changed. We, we've had to change how we do our forms. Right. Okay. Awesome. And then I don't think I have any other thoughts or feedback. I'm really glad that we got to take the time to tease out the timelines and divorces. Um, again, 102s, you can file them while you're living together or before you hit those dates. And the 1031 is the closest thing Louisiana's got to a quickie divorce. Uh, and it just got a lot quicker if your spouse will sign that waiver. And uh, I'm Claire Edwards, and this is Michelle Simon. And we have created a company called Divorce Doula for family law coaching. And we're based in Lafayette. We actually have uh, actual physical space now. We're at 321 West Main Street, Office 1B in Lafayette, 70501, right across from the sheriff's office. Um, and then I've just been putting, uh, our website is live now. I don't love it yet, but it, I will love it soon. <laughs> it's www.letstalkfamilylaw.com. And we are open to hearing your thoughts and questions and feedback in any way. And then our, um, Michelle has set us up email addresses I've got Michelle at letstalkfamilylaw.com and I've got Claire at letstalkfamilylaw.com. Oh, cool. And um, our current email address for any listeners who are interested is divorcedoulalafayette at gmail.com. So um, it was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for asking questions. Of course. Thank you for answering my questions. And we should see our, or hear, or hope that our listeners are hearing to us in about one to two weeks, right? Yes, definitely. Sounds good to me. I'll talk to you soon, Michelle. All right. Bye.